Hello everyone, this is Space Cafe Podcast, and I am Marcus. So I just finished watching the latest episode of Black Mirror. For those who are unfamiliar, it's a brilliant series featuring vignettes of individual stories about a not-so-distant future dystopia where humanity's greatest innovations and darkest instincts collide. Personally, I find myself more drawn to the earlier episodes, but hey, who am I to judge? If you haven't already, consider checking out the series for yourselves. Anyways, so what I was going to say in the latest episode, there is a story about two guys on a space station who navigate the peculiar roles of being explorers and simultaneously fathers and husbands to their families back on Earth. Set in 1969, during the height of the early space race, one scene particularly struck my attention and serves as a beautiful segue into this episode. So one of the spaceship's commanders sits down to have dinner on his metal plate, of course. It's, it's usually metal plates for space meals in science fiction, right? No, whatever. So this guy squeezes a gray blob of indeterminate origin onto the plate and starts dining unemphatically. This trope of unappetizing utilitarian food pervades all of science fiction, it seems. Gray or white protein and vitamin blobs just enough to keep the hungry spacefarers alive and healthy. Well, only Star Trek seem to have addressed this topic in more approachable style, it seems. But of course, they had the replicator, which others did not. Anyway, my guest today wants to change all that and bring fresh vegetable, fruit and grain to the dinner tables of future space generations. Because, hey, food is a feast for the eye also, they say, right? And not only that, Barbara Belvisi, the CEO and mastermind behind Interstellar Lab, builds grow pots at the size of mm, medium-sized trucks for future space missions all equipped with the perfect environment for optimal plant growth in space. But it's hard, very hard indeed, because plants seem to not want to leave Earth willingly. Or do they? Barbara doesn't let this discourage her and is well on her way to contributing significantly for us to become an interplanetary species at some point. Welcome, Barbara Belbisi to the Space Cafe podcast. The structures we are developing are, uh, the purpose is to create environments so life can grow. Mm. Um, so it's not human-centric, uh, it's life-centric. Um, and so... And we're actually starting with non-human life. Uh, we're starting with plants, um, fungi, and and um, um, and and some microorganism. Um, and we and we space is just one location where we deploy our system. We deploy our system on Earth, low Earth orbit, then future Moon, and everything. So yeah. Mm. So what is special about this? This is, if I remember correct, it's controlled environment. And this is what makes it different. And this really resonated with me because it makes crop growth more efficient because it's more under control. Maybe we should describe what this grow pod, if I may say so, looks like. Yeah. So we have different form factors. So we have an inflatable structure that we designed for Earth. Um, we have different payload cubes um, that we designed for a space station or for long-term travel uh, then will be uh, then there will be another inflatable one that we will deploy on the moon but but the all the principle the principle for every product is, is always the same so it's a structure um, rigid or inflated 
um, then it's a combination of hardware to optimize the creation of the climate. Uh, then there is a intelligence, the software uh, that is understanding what's go inside and then adapting the different parameters based on what we want to achieve uh, for the plant or the microorganism to produce. Um, all, all the rules, uh, all the pr programs are based on some like sim very simple principle, uh, which is minimum resources, um, um, you know, mi minimize resource, maximum output, no waste. So how can we mm. reuse everything? Um, and, um, um, and so, so on earth, for instance, it's, it's a tool that we commercialize to companies that are in need of what are called natural ingredients. Mm. So anything that is coming from, uh, that is plant-based. Uh, one very big industry is the cosmetics and pharmaceutical industry. Uh, they're more specifically interested in specific molecule or aroma or flavor or essential oil uh, within plants. And plants, they adapt their um, um, molecular composition based on the environmental condition. So in a cocoon, we can recreate a specific climate with a temperature, humidity level. Then we play with the light and then we will introduce microorganism. And so the plant will grow in a way we want it to grow, mm -hmm. kind of. Mm -hmm. um, so, so we produce less plants, but we have more of what we need uh -huh. inside the plants. Um, and space is like microgravity environment is very interesting because this is just another exterior um, external environmental constraint to the plant. And so it also affects the plant's molecular composition. Um, and so it's, yeah. So, <laughs> so what, what's, what's different in, in space? So uh, in how far? So tell me a little bit about a research, um, plant growth research in space. How do plants grow differently under zero or microgravity conditions? Okay, so we don't have our own system yet, but we're, uh, we, um, uh, we got approved for a phase, so we want phase one, phase two, and for a phase three, um, um, food production system, uh, for NASA. So it hasn't flown yet, so we don't have our own data, but based on, uh, research done by, um, by NASA, they've been growing plants in space for like over 20 years. Um, so micro, it's, it's hard to generalize, but I will try to do it to make it simple. Um, um, micro plants, um, on earth, they grow against gravity. Um, so mm. there is gravity upward. Yes. Mm -hmm. So they go up, but the roots go down. Mm. Um, so there's gravity. Gravitropism. Um, I like that word. Gravitropism. In space, there is no gravity or very low gravity. Um, so there is no more gravitropism. So to grow, all the plants are looking to lights. Um, really, like most of them. And so they, they grow towards light. Um, and then the roots, they kind of like seeking for the nutrient and the water and everything. The hard part about growing plants in space is the water part, because the water will encapsulate the roots of the plant by capillarity. So you really need to, you cannot spray like we do on earth. Mm -hmm. You need a medium, uh, like a kind of a, like a, a gel or something where you keep the water and the nutrient solution. And it doesn't, you know, the, the roots can still have access to oxygen. Mm -hmm. So it's a combination of both that the plant needs. Mm -hmm. So, but then let's say the plant is up there. Well, it does not have to fight against gravity. Uh -huh. So it can use the energy to do other stuff. And so it will grow differently. Um, and grow differently means, uh, what does that mean? Grow different forms, different structures, or we just. We don't know. We don't like know. We, we're studying what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, and so. Based on the, it's a, um, how plants are growing or developing molecules or developing aroma as a, as a reaction to a, to a trigger. Mm -hmm. It's been triggered by something. So it develops, it's developed mm -hmm. something to respond. Like the production of citrone, citronello, um, molecule within the plant is linked to the fact that plants were attacked by some insects. So to repel them, they started producing this aroma <laughs> to push the insects away. So as a response to an aggression, it develops that. Um, 
uh, for another example is that one plant that we've been cultivating on earth, um, as, um, we have to, it's, it's the roots that we are harvesting. Um, and the roots will produce more of a specific molecule that gives the aroma to the essential oil. If there is a, a type of bacteria that is around. And so you have to put the bacteria and then the, correlation between the bacteria and the roots made that the plant will produce more molecule to protect itself. Mm -hmm. And this is in this molecule that you find mm. the smell. Um, and so in space, microgravity is just another trigger. Mm -hmm. And so most of the research now um, that we're like preparing, working on is to understand how, what microgravity is actually doing to the plant. Mm -hmm. um, and so is it accelerating the production of this molecule or is it like, you know, is it producing more um is it growing more leaves um so this is mm -hmm. and that we don't know and that's the whole like research roadmap of both nasa and companies company co mm. company like us um yeah so how, how much research <clears throat> has been done so far in that respect so has there ever been strawberry research on the iss for example yeah. or whatever kind of yeah they, they they've been growing a lot of food they started with a flower um they grow rose uh chili pepper tomato um there is actually a uh, there is mm -hmm. a cool publication uh called nasa plant science where they recap everything that they've been studying mm -hmm. um there is a group at nasa gpl um that is most specifically studying uh, the production of what is called secondary metabolites. So the so-called molecules that are so, um, so much of high value to mm -hmm. our customers on earth. Um, those molecules, um, it look, it looks, it looks like, um, microgravity will trigger the production mm -hmm. uh, of them. And so there is a whole group at NASA, um, uh, GPL that is, starting like building this mission mm -hmm. um and and measuring uh their plant response mm -hmm. uh in their metabolic mm -hmm. structure in their molecular structure um based on my own microgravity and and your job with interstellar is to commercialize what is being done by nasa and others on a small no. a small scale or no no uh our job is to Build the hardware, uh, because there is a need for new modular, uh, easier to use hardware, cheaper, uh, build the hardware and the software and the interface so we can provide NASA and other yeah. companies more research facilities. Um, and so it's, we are a, a plat, we are a platform where we provide the hardware, we mm. design the mission, and then we analyze the data. Mm. And we can do that on Earth as well. So, so we, it's really the combination of hardware, AI, software, data, and, and biological knowledge. Mm -hmm. A third of the companies come of our company are mm -hmm. biologists. Hmm. So when is the first uh, interstellar grow pod being launched into space? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> so we have the NASA Deep Space Food Challenge Phase 2 that we just, uh, we're among the winners. Uh, we're moving to Phase 3. Uh, phase 3 is going to be a year from now. It's still going to be a test on the ground, so on Earth, mm -hmm. uh, where this time we will test, I think it's going to be with astronauts and some um, um, and some other jury, but we, we as a company will not have access to the device, and so they will test as if it was in real condition. Mm -hmm. um, that Phase 3 and, and after Phase 3, uh, I think it's going to be just a, 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 a space-grade hardware mm -hmm. uh, so it can fly. That's one. Uh, we're working on, uh, we have, um, uh, with the European Space Agency, we're part of a program called BSGN. Um, and we are working on designing two small plant growth chamber, um, with a French university that's been, that they want to study the impact of microgravity on the growth of two specific plants, uh, that they identify could be, um, that th they already been developing a very interesting mechanism, mm -hmm. uh, to grow fruits and more protein rich, um, 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 yeah, fruits, um, vegetables. Um, mm -hmm. I think the both fruits actually. 
Um, the other one we work, and this one might fly like within three years, but mm -hmm. we're very dependent on the European Space Agency mm -hmm. agenda. Uh, we have another one which is more confidential with the European Space Agency as well, which is a post ISS module. So, but mm -hmm. we will fly. We're, we're seven companies, um, on this, on working on this. Um, we are taking care of the plant growth chamber. Um, I don't think this will fly, uh, within the, the, you know, maybe the five coming years. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and, but, so this is like space agency. Mm -hmm. Um, um, it's a little bit slow. Mm -hmm. Uh, NASA, NASA is fast, but it's still mm -hmm. slow. Um, and so on the other side, we also want to fly as soon as possible. Sure. Um, so we are securing spots with private companies. Um, so I'm not going to announce right now because we're still working <laughs> on the MOU. Uh, mm -hmm. but we'll, we're uh, securing a, um, a spot on the, well, travel to the moon in 2026. Um, um, some, you know, uh, demonstration in low Earth orbit with other private companies would as well. So, yeah. Would that mean by going to the moon, would that mean a, a full growth pod? Uh, so not an inflatable one. Mm -hmm. um, what... Uh, what we're working on is is more like uh, you know like cubesats, mm -hmm. um, probably two attached uh, mm -hmm. next to each other. Um, the tricky part, you know, if you leave it on the moon, um, it has to kind of like survive by itself. But mm -hmm. you have very limited space and weight for the first missions. Um, so reduce the battery, so reduce power consumption, mm -hmm. so reduce much lifespan. So you wanna, so the way we're approaching it, we, uh, we have passive watering system. Um, L, power will go to LED because we need mm -hmm. lights. Uh, and then you have to be smart for the atmospheric optimization, mm -hmm. O2, CO2. Mm -hmm. And so the work that we've been doing was NASA introducing fungi insect with plants now makes sense because mm. it's a small, It's mini Earth, mm -hmm. very mini Earth. Super, mm -hmm. it's like it's not Earth. It's mm -hmm. just like you know, two species mm -hmm. or maybe three, um, and and trying to find how they can balance themselves. Mm -hmm. So you don't need a whole tank mm -hmm. um, of oxygen or of um, CO2. Mm -hmm. uh, so, do you have like one of those sealed bottles at home? <laughs> What are they called? Yeah, they, the small the micro micro have ecosystem ecosystems. Yes, Do you have? Yeah, I have one. I have one. I have one on my desk. Is it still alive? Well, this one is not completely sealed, <laughs> so right now it's like very warm. Um, <laughs> like it's a, struggling a little bit, but it's, it's struggling. Under, but it's it's been here for like almost two years. So oh. so it's yeah. Wow. So. Has um, artificial gravity ever been considered by by us by by you? Because this is yeah. that's that's super interesting. We've had so many people on the show so far, and artificial gravity is never really a, a big topic. And I'm I'm always wondering. Science fiction movies started with artificial gravity. If yeah. you remember yeah. Stanley Kubrick's Space Wheel, yeah, like the O'Neill structure. Yes, yes, yeah. and I'll so are you. Are you experimenting with that? We, we, we as a company were not, um, um, as, um, but, wh but why not? Maybe it makes no sense. Well, one step at a time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and, okay, we're doing that. Then I need to, you know, sell biopods. We need to be a sustainable company. Yeah. yeah and it's, it's one. Okay. Let's do artificial gravity in one five years from now. Yeah. Now, well, we are, we are, we will not. Do the vehicle, yeah, but we can bring our plant growth life support system and software and and biological knowledge to a company that is building it. Let's okay. say like companies like Gravitex, for yeah. instance, mm -hmm. uh, the super cool guys. We adore those guys, mm -hmm. um, and we. That's something that is very interesting for us is to have a station where you have different level of gravity. Uh, because it's very interesting to measure the impact on plant growth. Of course. Um, and you so. You have a gradient of. Exactly. Gra a gravity yes. gradient. Yes. Yes. That's interesting. It's, it's really cool. Um, mm. it's really cool. Um, and, um, um, yeah. And, um, but so we can interface with companies doing that. Uh, right now we absolutely are not equipped to, uh, design our own station yet. Yet. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> But I mean, like, seriously, going to the moon in maybe two to three years from now, this is a huge goal already. Yeah, it's cool. It's, I'm so excited. I'm, I hope you're, you're proud of yourself. Happen. It's I don't, I, well, I'm happy I'm doing what I'm doing. <laughs> um, um, it's, it's hard, uh, but, um, um, but it's really cool. It's really cool. Uh, and we have a lot of support from uh, a lot of people. Um, and, uh, and it's very, it's very, it's amazing to work on that because you study the earth. I'm very curious. So, and, and I'm super, um, you, you study nature to try to recreate an environment for nature to grow. So you just, is, is just fascinating. I learned, for instance, recently how plants are reacting to CO2 enriched environments. Um, so, um, I don't know how if we have time to. No, absolutely. Yeah? Okay. absolutely. <laughs> I mean, like lots of CO2 means lots of food. Right. So, so is yeah. there a plant obesity? It's kind of, it's, it's a bit more. So the way the plant's working. So you have, um, um, you have kind of a little brain that is called rubisco. Um, and the rubisco will tell the plant what to do. So the plant will do photosynthesis. So absorb the carbon, um, from the CO2 mm -hmm. and use it to grow more matter. Um, And it does that through um, st stom stomach stomachae uh, mm -hmm. that looks like um, uh, a mouth, mm -hmm. uh, and so and they open and close. They open and close on the leaves. On the leaves, yes, underneath. And so yeah. and so they 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 get the CO 2 they mm -hmm. release the oxygen, they keep the carbon, mm -hmm. and they grow. Mm -hmm. So sure, more CO 2 you have, the greener and the larger the plant will be. Mm -hmm. The only thing is that. Rubisco is telling, do the photosynthesis. The other thing that the plant's doing to be rich and full of nutrients is doing nitrogen fixation through the roots. So it takes the nitrogen uh, and then it turns it into protein and mm -hmm. different molecules. Um, what's happening right now on Earth, it's because we move from 200, um, 220 ppm to 440-ish ppm uh, in, in few years, like in, in, you know, over the past 50 years. Um, the plants there are overstimulated on the CO2 level. Mm -hmm. So Rubisco is telling the plants, keep doing the photosynthesis mm -hmm. because there is like a lot of CO2, but it's not allocating more time, energy, however you want to call it, to the nitrogen fixation and mm -hmm. the roots. So it's focused more on growing, mm -hmm. but it's not taking nutrient from the soil. Mm -hmm. And that plus combined with the perdition of soil on, uh, on this planet, we, we are ending up with like very large plants, basically, that are full of nothing. Uh, except huh. carbon. And so the, uh, yeah. So the, the plants, uh, there, it's approximately 20% less protein inside plants that it used to be in the 50s. Uh, yeah. so it's a, it's, it's a huge drop. So I think, um, one can nicely compare it to, Humans going to fast food places, you're full of yes. nothing. Yes, exactly. That's exactly how I compared it <laughs> yeah. with the team because the, everything is like pattern yeah. and you can, rec I, um, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and that's what I, I, so we had this discussion with the team and then I was like, well, let's think for two seconds, a plant as a life cycle, as a human. Um, if we human, we keep on eating the same thing all the time, we become fat. Mm -hmm. um, but if I eat and then exercise, eat and then exercise, then I become muscular. Mm -hmm. So I was like, what if we do the same with the plants? Meaning we play with the CO2, mm -hmm. and then we stop, and then we play with the mm -hmm. roots. And so how, what is the, what's going to be the formula for us to make sure the plant is growing tall and strong, mm -hmm. but also full of good stuff. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's, that's my new stuff. It's been, I've been thinking about this thing for like three, three weeks. I'm mm -hmm. like a very annoying CEO who's going to <laughs> his plant team and be like, what if we do this and that? And if we go to space, we're going to add, well, whatever. But so that's fascinating because, and, and we studying all of that, of course, for earth application, but also thinking about space. Like, how do you recreate the environment? So the plant will grow. So all this knowledge, this knowledge about life, I think is the most valuable part in what we're doing mm. because it's we, and, and, and eventually in the future, we'll make it like accessible to anyone. Absolutely. Um, 
Thanks for sharing this. This is really fascinating. Um, if you go to the moon, would regolith be meaningful for plant growth? Would plants? Would you be able to grow potatoes on the moon? Uh, well, there is a group of NASA scientists that recently have been growing uh, plants out of uh, regolith. Not um, oh, really. Not. A, Simulant regolith, but like real regolith mm -hmm. um, from from the moon, um, and they they successfully did it. Um, so it's doable. Um, we'll we'll start with the uh, non soil based mm -hmm. um, environment. Mm -hmm. um, it's easier for us. Uh, then then we'll collaborate with other companies and other group mm -hmm. of people that are working on using regolith. Um, but the The approach for us is to start uh, without the without the soil. Yeah, nice. The, yeah, great. You were mentioning your employees, your colleagues. Do you think they are happy when you come to the office with a new idea? And how, how often do you do that? Do you go? <laughs> <laughs> well, like uh, it's every day, um, uh, but it's not changing the. The course of the main projects. Yes, it's always the same. It's just like, wait, there is a way here we can find something um, that we help us better understand life so we can optimize our hardware and software. Mm -hmm. So we, we, it's, it's, I'm trying to teach them also how to always. Um, you know, question what has already been the established. Quo. Yes, always. It's very important. It's not because no one's like, it's not because the liter literature said so, um, that we will not discover something. So I'm always trying to be like, why are you making a statement of this? You have no idea. And so, hmm. and then kind of like challenging this and then going back to, um, Yeah, as deep as we can the go, roots. and then yeah, exactly. So this is what Elon calls first principles. Thinking. First principle thinking, yeah, yeah. So it seems like to do that. it makes sense to go back to the roots, literally. Literally, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> it would make a nice T-shirt. <laughs> While we're working on our on store, yeah, because <laughs> we received a lot, lot of people who were like, "Oh, we want the cap, and we want the hoodie, and we." Yeah. And so we'll 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 do it. Nice. All right. So um, the moon, space, orbit, microgravity. Let's go back to Earth because this is another main and major part for your products. Yeah. So you mentioned the cosmetics industry. Yeah. They're interested in your work. In our last show, you also mentioned that this could be of interest to urban areas to grow food on a more efficient basis yeah. is how has this evolved so far? Uh, well, we had a very big focus on, um, on, um, on cosmetics and natural ingredients companies. So the, when we started the discussion with them almost a year ago, um, they, this is how we discovered we, we were like, we went deep dive into why are there interests are they interested in buying our, our solution? Mm -hmm. And this is how we figure like all this thing around. Well, we knew, but we just dove in more um, about like molecules and secondary metabolites. So, um, and so we've been really focusing on that because there is a kind of a, I've, I've, there's a business opportunity um, and, and also an intuition that it's helping us better understand life. Um, so that's a big one. That's a huge market. That's a hundred mm -hmm. trillion The botanical ingredient market mm. is just gigantic and mm -hmm. it goes from cosmetic perfume, but also food supplements. Um, and so it's a, it's a market that is large enough for us to do like mm -hmm. a, I don't know, three times unicorn company. I don't know how you say <laughs> that anymore, mm -hmm. but, uh, um, so we're focusing on this one. Uh, then entering the city, um, and to provide, um, you know, biopods, um, for, for people, for urban farming purposes. Um, we need the, we need our factory, a biopod factory to really optimize the cost of production, mm -hmm. um, which we, 
we just uh, secure part of the funding with the French government. So we're getting the first pilot factory, um, so factory that will produce biopods. It's like uh, Tesla's Gigafactory. <laughs> but for biopods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're not there. We're very small. So it was mm-hmm. like, we're like 35 people and, mm-hmm. and, you know, company just like raised a little bit less than, a, than, um, uh, than 10 million to do all of that. We're having more investors. So we still, we're still like very small. Um, I don't know how I'm building a factory with, you know, only that amount of money, but we have a lot of support from government and people around and cities as well. But so building the factory, then we have the factory, we can uh, really um, uh, optimize the cost of production so we can reduce the cost of production of the biopod and then we can commercialize that to uh, not only to, you know, high-end luxury cosmetic our natural ingredients company, but more for food purposes, because food is requires more, um, you know, it's, it's very picky. It's like a low margin market. Um, and so it's, a, you got, you need to have a product that is, um, very accessible in terms of pricing. Uh, so then they don't question, mm-hmm. uh, the investment they're making by buying your device. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. When are those, those parts ready? Uh, when? When, yeah. Uh, so, well, there is one right now, uh, mm. uh, southeast of Paris in our facility that we've been using for you know, nine months. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we grow, I think, total in our research program. Uh, so far, we had like 40 different species that we've been growing. Um, so we have the biopod and we have one, two, three, four, uh, f- five um, phytotrons, so much smaller than biopod, where we do the research and the test, and then we put them into the biopod. Uh, we're changing biopod. So there is a big design iteration. Uh, so we are moving straight away from biopod 1.0 to 2.0. Um, so the structural base uh, is not going to be structural anymore. So it's more going to be designed. It's the same Visually, it will be very similar, uh, but in assembly, it's very, it's going to be very different. So you have a chassis, metallical chassis, then we will put all the uh, hydraulic and atmospheric inside this chassis, still the inflated bubble, but then the structure is no more a structure, it's just like panels to mm. cover mm-hmm. everything. So we, we learned from the first version that we needed a whole separation, full separation from the motor of the biopod compared to the growing area. Um, and so that's what we're doing. So this guy, this new version, the target is like by the end of this year, mm-hmm. it's a little bit stretch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's probably more going to be early next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the market is slow. So well, I, mm-hmm. but we are, but it's coming. It's coming. Mm-hmm. So how do you think could that scale? So what you mentioned the food industry. Yeah. So. When do you think or where could momentum be built in the first place? Well, this year, for instance, we will do, we're on track to do 1.5 million revenue by just selling um, a couple of biopods and and charging on their services uh, and the software. So it's very scalable business because we sell, the hardware is just a Trojan and then we generate revenue on services and, Mm -hmm. and software. Um, so, and if I take one of our customer that will announce in a few weeks, which is, a um, one of the largest uh, cosmetic company in the world, mm. um, mm-hmm. if you look at the amount of plants they're using, um, and then you, you just, they represent for us over a hundred biopod at the current size of the biopod. Mm. Um, so, you know, plus recurring revenue, it's a big customer. It's like a, it's, you know, 50, 70 million revenue, mm-hmm. um, only if we scale with them. Uh, then companies like them, they're over like, I don't know, 200, mm-hmm. 300 in the world. So it's, it's a huge market. So my, the problem for the company will be more, how do we automatize the production of the pods so we can produce more than one per month? Uh, and then so, yeah. So that's the, that's what we're trying (laughs) Well, we're getting some people have a lot of support from, um, um, uh, former Tesla people, uh, to be honest, and onboarded recently as in investors and, and, uh, we'll, we'll try do some stuff with the, 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 um, the pilot factory that we're building, uh, and before scaling up because we're not, Mm -hmm. we don't know how Mm -hmm. we, how, how we will scale yet. Mm -hmm. We'll know soon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you like going, 
outdoors? Do you love being in, in, in nature? I do. Yeah. Well, in my, um, so I mostly live between LA and, and Paris, uh, and in Paris, in my, um, um, uh, flats, uh, it's, you'll, yeah. Well, one day when you're in it's, Paris, you'll see. <laughs> it's green. It's, it's like all green. Like it's full of plants. Um, my friends are, are, uh, making, uh, uh, fun of me. They're like, you are a very consistent person. <laughs> you live in a biopod. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the same in LA. It's like full of plants and, Yeah. Now I'm asking because what you're doing like conceptually with a biopod is you're sort of trying to recreate Earth inside an artificial shell. Yeah. So isn't Earth enough? Isn't Earth, is Earth doing something wrong? No. So why are you trying to recreate it? Because it's yeah. under your control. No. No. Um, I just try to find out. It's just nature wants to expand. Um, and life as we know on Earth will disappear because the sun's going to blow. Uh, if we know it, it knows it. And we are just a tool for life to expand. Hmm. So for me, we're part of something much bigger and nature is just kind of not using us, uh, but it's going through us to expand. And yeah, so I I just want this unique biodiversity um, that has been developed on this planet to expand to another planet. That's why I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> didn't expect that. I didn't expect that now. That is really, really interesting. So you see yourself as a medium for a greater purpose. Yeah. So we're maybe the first pioneers to to grow plants on other celestial bodies as humans. Yeah. Do you think that we're the first ones or is someone else doing it at the moment somewhere else? Okay. Um um Uh, well, I can, I can be serious. Um, not serious, but, uh, I think we live in a multi-dimension world. Um, and there are definitely other, um, planets in civilization. Some we might not see because we're not in the same dimension. Um, but part of the, I think part of the, Yeah. Um it's I think it's this to be self-aware and self-conscious that we are alive. This is what needs to be preserved. And this is not only human. Um and so that's why my job is to reintegrate humanity with the whole the other um living beings. Um and I think on other planet it's also happening but um yeah i don't know i there there is something that's driving me I, I, i can't explain it's um maybe it's an emergency mission because as you mentioned not only that the sun is blowing up um we are destroying lots of species as we speak right now yeah. so lots of environmental treasure is getting lost as yes. we speak. So maybe by preserving in a way that you're trying to preserve nature, it's a countermeasure against what humanity is doing so mindlessly at the moment. Yeah. Because we're taking, I don't know, I was going to say we're taking nature for granted, but I think we're not even taking it for granted. We're ignorant of nature. Um, We don't even know the names of the trees outside of that building. Yeah. Um, well, we used to know them when we, we used were to kids. Know. And we used to know what they were good for. Yes. They had names. They had benefits. Yeah. Or what? Or were ghosts or whatever. Yeah. But, well, And yeah. today, we have no relation to nature anymore. This is what drives me mad, personally. 
It's coming back. You think so? Yeah, I think so. It's coming back. Um, um, it's coming back because it's not sustainable to destroy the planet you are on. Um, and we need to move past sustainability to regeneration. So to fix what we've destroyed. Uh, and then the next step is, um, you know, accelerating, like nurturing biodiversity. So we can help the biospheres uh, generate more life. Um, and so, um, so yeah, and, and, and I think, and I think it's, there is a shift in, in, um, our consciousness, uh, right now that is happening where, you know, people are doing a lot of like healing work and everything. And, and I think it's because there is, we need to awake and be more aware of what's going on on this planet, uh, and, you know, rebound with nature. Um, space can help us. Uh, and, and it's, uh, it's helping us. It's helping us because we look at earth from, you know, from a from different sp- perspective. Exactly. And so we realize the overview effect and all of that, but also because space forces us to design technologies and tools, minimum resource, maximum output, no waste, like those, those kind of like principle that are uh, really needed <laughs> on earth right now. Um, so I, I, I think it's, and, but I think also the only path for human, for our civilization, uh, to survive is to, to, to move towards, you know, better integration with our environment and nature. Because, you know, there are some stories about, uh, we coming from Mars or we coming mm. from Venice or there were like ancient civilization there. And because they didn't pay enough attention to their environment, they basically destroyed the planet they were living in, uh, and in search for a new planet, they arrived on Earth. <laughs> well, we don't want that to happen again. <laughs> it's it's kind of where <laughs> you know, uh, it was a, even even though it's just a story, there is always something true about a story or something that will resonate within us. Uh, and for me, that's it. That's like, okay, we're going to become multiplanetary because life expands, uh, but it's not going to be at the cost of a planet. So we have to preserve this one um, and eventually, you know, bring a little bit of of, of this life uh, with us there. I'm, I'm very hopeful. Like this time, I, so I think you, it's going to work. Are you sensing that something is shifting in the mindsets of people in your bubble because I, I don't know about my bubble. Um, I'm very passionate about all things nature. I do a lot of lots of outdoor activities and whatnot, and trying to immerse myself in nature. I'm also with my kids, teenagers, so they have different interests and different needs right now than nature, and they would make fun of me now and then. But, but anyways, it's it's my job to to live with that. <laughs> but. But still, how is that in your world? Because also I'm trying to be hopeful in anything we do also on this show, because many things are going so wrong in this planet, but still there is hope. So why do you think hope prevails? Um, by nature, I'm an optimistic. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I will always um, see the, you know, the, um, the, the glass half full. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, so, um, but the truth is, I've seen um, a, a, I, I've seen a lot of shift in our society and even people like around me. And and you know, just look at I come I have a uh, investor background, so I study finance and and I uh, was you know doing a serious adult stuff before. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I can see a lot of my friends who are, you know, managing funds and, and, um, as, you know, all, all of that. They're, uh, they're building, um, funds dedicated to, you know, on climate and finding solution to this planet. Um, we have more often discussion about, um, you know, consciousness, preserving life, how we become more, um, close to nature. So it's a global, I think it's a, it's a global phenomenon. Um, and, and, you know, was the, I'm gonna, was, was the rise of like yoga and being vegan and like more influencer going there. There is good and bad, uh, uh, you know, in, in those, like when things become too, too much popular. 
but the good thing is that it's going towards the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting humans more uh, close to nature. Um, another friend, a friend of mine called Louis, Louis Lemeur, he used to organize very big tech conferences uh, uh, in the past. And the last conference he organized is about spirituality mm. and, and, you know, how to, you know, it's like mixing spirituality with technology and that's very new. Uh, and, and so it's trying to, you know, simplify. I think, um, it's new. Um, but a couple of generations ago, yes. uh, two generations ago, it, it happened. I mean, like, where does Apple come from? Where does Microsoft come yes. from? It comes from a time where microdosing yes. or macrodosing and spirituality and technology mixed. And what happened as well at this time? Lunar landing. Huh. Lunar landing. Exactly. 96 to Within 10 years. Yes. And so all this stuff. So I think there is a, this is, we, what's happening now is very similar to what happened in the seventies, mm-hmm. uh, except we went through uh, the nineties and the other consumerist. Yeah. Uh, and, Phase. and yes. Uh, and so, but the good thing is that we are much more aware of the you know, the bad stuff that we did. Um, and I'm very hopeful that this time compared to the seventies, because we elevated a little bit more in being more conscious of, you know, things we shall not do. Um, I'm hopeful it will trigger another elevation. Mm. You, you, you understand where I'm going? It's no, no, like, absolutely. I think it's going to help when we're going to go back to the moon and we'll see again the earth, uh, from space. Um, I want to put a greenhouse on the moon so people can see life growing on another celestial body. I think it will also unlock another level of consciousness and be like, our goal is to preserve life. And so that's what I want. That's why I'm doing that. I want to help humans be more, um, you know, and, and, and I think, I think it's very similar. It's just a, um, it's, and it's more global than it used to be in the, in the, you know, in the, in the 60s, 70s. I think um you were just saying our goal is to preserve life. I think our task is to preserve mm. life. So it's not just a goal. Mm. I think this is the only thing mm. we are supposed to do. We're supposed to do I here on so this too. planet. I agree. I agree. And uh we should revisit that understanding because yes. right now we're doing the opposite. Exactly. Yeah. I I agree with you. So this is why you're building yeah, that's uh, Interstellar Labs is your contribution. It is to that. Hmm. Exactly. Wonderful. Um, would you bring your grow pot to the moon yourself? I would love to do that. <laughs> moon, yes. Mars, not the first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not the first flight. Um, um, I want to, I, I want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> But you would, you would, I would go. go. To- I would, I would go to the moon, hundred uh, percent. Mars, not on the, f- probably not the first one. I'm brave, but uh, mm. um, I, I, I want to have kids, and so yeah. yeah. So you've watched the Mars movie, yeah, yeah, the series, yeah. Okay, so yes, yeah. This is why you're hesitant, maybe. Yeah, and then I'll be old. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I'll have not be like this, you know, the yeah. energy of it of twenty, thirty, yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyways, going to Mars is still a boring and long journey. We on the Space Cafe podcast, we set up a couple of many episodes ago a Spotify playlist for the uh, future space traveler. Okay. Which tune will you introduce? Just one to that playlist, Just and, one. and I will put it on. Just one for your long journey voyage that is wow that's a hard one (laughs) Um, take your time i'm i'm so boring um the i'm hesitating between two um they're I'll play the um the movie, the interstellar the Hansimer um soundtrack soundtrack yeah um yeah. by the way that's a beautiful movie isn't it yeah it is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay so no one has taken that so far so so be it 
and I'll put it right after our show. I'll put it on. And the last question, the Space Cafe podcast as a coffee place. I think I asked that question already last time. Um, give me a Space Cafe espresso, an energizing espresso for the mind, um, for our audiences to be inspired and take away with them after listening to that show. What kind of inspiration would you like to share? We've shared a bunch of inspiration already. <laughs> so maybe there's a little left. <laughs> maybe, um, maybe there's a little left. You can pick whatever kind of topic you want to pick. Mm, I'll say, uh, I'll say to people, close your eyes, take a deep breath. And can you smell the green, the lights, the, the dirt, the rain? Um, and if you open your eyes, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm hesitating. Well, we're not on earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Barbara, thanks so much for taking your time. This was really cool. And that's a wrap, my friends. I hope you enjoyed our galactic journey today, diving deep into the realms of cultivating life beyond our planet. Our conversation with Barbara Belvisi has reminded us that all the stars may be far away, but the steps we take towards them start right down here on Earth. Her innovative approach to solving the challenges of providing fresh, nutritious food for space travelers not only changes the narrative of space exploration, but also reshapes our relationship with our own planet. Our chat has underscored the importance of nurturing life wherever we are, be it here on Earth, the Moon, or Mars. In a future where we may become multiplanetary, remembering our roots and preserving the essence of life is more critical than ever. Whether we're dining on Earth or enjoying a meal under a Martian sky, we'll remember that it is the spirit of innovation, the passion for exploration, and the love for life that brought us here. So next time, my friends, when you sit down for a meal, consider the sheer endless possibilities of where that meal could be in the years to come. To come. And remember, the exploration of the unknown doesn't just happen in the depths of space, but also right here in the minds of visionary people like Barbara Bilvisi. So stay tuned for our next episode, where we continue to probe the fascinating horizons of space and technology. Until then, keep looking up and dream big. See you next time, my friends and space enthusiasts. Bye-bye. Thank you.